Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 1 podcast. In this episode, we go over the topic of diabetes insipidus from the embryology section on MedBullets.com. Let's start this episode with a clinical snapshot. A 30-year-old woman presents to her primary care physician for increased frequency of urinating, thirst, and urinating at night. She was in a car accident about a month ago where she had head trauma. Since then, she reports that she has noticed this increased frequency of urination. At that time, head imaging had been normal. Her physician decides to conduct a vasopressin challenge. The results show decreased urine volume and increased urine osmolality. Based on these results, she decides to start the patient on desmopressin. This is a case of central diabetes insipidus. Alright, let's get into the topic. Let's start with a brief introduction and clinical definition of diabetes insipidus. Diabetes insipidus is characterized by excess free water loss and dilute urine. Let's talk about central versus nephrogenic diabetes insipidus. We'll talk about the definition, etiology, pathogenesis, and the differences in terms of vasopressin challenge. In terms of the definition, central diabetes insipidus is the failure to produce antidiuretic hormone, ADH, and nephrogenic diabetes insipidus is the insensitivity or resistance of the kidneys to ADH. In terms of the etiology, central diabetes insipidus can be caused by a pituitary tumor where vasopressin is released. It can also be caused by other pituitary injuries including autoimmune disease, trauma, surgery, and ischemia. In terms of the etiology of nephrogenic diabetes insipidus, it can be caused by drugs such as lithium, demeclocycline, amphotericin B, or congenital, which is very rare, or even electrolyte abnormalities such as hypercalcemia and hypokalemia. In terms of the pathogenesis, central diabetes insipidus involves low ADH resulting in increased extracellular fluid osmolarity, and nephrogenic diabetes insipidus involves increased ADH. A good test to differentiate the two is called the vasopressin or DDAVP challenge test. This test would cause low urine volume and increased urine osmolality in central diabetes insipidus and no change in urine volume or osmolality in nephrogenic diabetes insipidus. In terms of the clinical presentation and symptoms, diabetes insipidus would cause polyuria, polydipsia, nocturia, and thirst. With regards to the diagnostic studies, serum labs would show increased serum osmolarity in central diabetes insipidus. Electrolytes would show hypernatremia. Other tests include 24-hour urine studies, which is the best initial test and would show decreased urine osmolality, decreased urine sodium, and increased urine volume. The water deprivation challenge test, which would show no change in urine osmolality or volume, and vasopressin challenge test, which would show decreased urine volume and a greater than 50% increase in urine osmolality with DDVAP in central diabetes insipidus. In nephrogenic diabetes insipidus, there would be a lack of response to vasopressin. In terms of the differential diagnosis, primary polydipsia should be the main differential, and the distinguishing factor is hyponatremia after a trial of desmopressin and decreased urine output with water deprivation test. In terms of the treatment of diabetes insipidus, lifestyle changes including hydration and low-sodium diet would be best, especially in nephrogenic diabetes insipidus. 
Moving on to medical treatment, there are four main medications used, desmopressin, or DDAVP, hydrochlorothiazide, indomethacin, and amylaride. The mechanism of action of desmopressin, or DDAVP, is that it's an ADH analog that acts on the renal tubular cells to increase water permeability. This, in turn, increases water retention. The indication of desmopressin is central diabetes insipidus. The next medication, hydrochlorothiazide, has a mechanism by which it induces mild hypovolemia, which induces an increase in proximal water and sodium reabsorption. The indication of this is nephrogenic diabetes insipidus. The next medication, indomethacin, has a mechanism by which it inhibits prostaglandin synthesis. Prostaglandins are ADH antagonists. The indication of this medication is nephrogenic diabetes insipidus. And the last medication, amylaride, is an epithelial sodium channel blocker and is believed to impair lithium entry into the renal principal cells. And the indications of this drug is nephrogenic diabetes insipidus secondary to lithium toxicity. In terms of the complications of diabetes insipidus, the two main complications are hypernatremia and dehydration. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. First question. A 28-year-old woman presents to her primary care physician complaining of intense thirst and frequent urination for the past two weeks. She says that she constantly feels the urge to drink water and is also going to the bathroom to urinate frequently throughout the day and multiple times at night. She was most recently hospitalized one month prior to presentation following a motor vehicle accident in which she suffered severe impact to her head. The physician obtains laboratory tests which show the following results. The serum sodium level is 149 milliequivalents per liter. The chloride level is 103 milliequivalents per liter. Potassium level is 3.5 milliequivalents per liter. Bicarbonate is 24 milliequivalents per liter. BUN is 20 milligrams per deciliter. The glucose level is 105 milligrams per deciliter and the urine osmolality is 250 milliosmoles per kilogram. The patient's condition is most likely caused by inadequate hormone secretion from which of the following locations? 1. Adrenal cortex 2. Anterior pituitary 3. Posterior pituitary 4. Preoptic nucleus of the hypothalamus or 5 suprachiasmatic nucleus of the hypothalamus. And the correct answer choice is answer choice 3, posterior pituitary. This patient's presentation of polydipsia, polyuria, and hypernatremia following head trauma is most indicative of central diabetes insipidus, which is caused by inadequate secretion of antidiuretic hormone, ADH, or vasopressin, from the posterior pituitary. Remember, diabetes insipidus is a condition characterized by the inability of the body to reabsorb free water in the collecting duct secondary to dysfunctional production of ADH in central diabetes insipidus or to dysfunctional response to ADH in nephrogenic diabetes insipidus. ADH is produced in the supraoptic nucleus of the hypothalamus but is then stored in the posterior pituitary where it is subsequently secreted. 
Head trauma is one possible cause of central diabetes insipidus along with pituitary gland infection, pituitary gland resection, or iatrogenic injury following neurosurgery or idiopathic causes. Symptoms of DI are polyuria, polydipsia, and nocturia. Loss of a greater amount of water compared to salt in patients with DI leads to hypernatremia, usually greater than 145 milliequivalents per liter, and dilute urine with decreased urine osmolality, usually less than 300 milliosmoles per kilogram. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice 1, the adrenal cortex does not secrete antidiuretic hormone. Rather, the adrenal cortex secretes mineralocorticoids such as aldosterone, glucocorticoids such as cortisol, and androgens. Answer choice 2. The anterior pituitary does not secrete antidiuretic hormone. Rather, the anterior pituitary produces several other hormones including adrenocorticotropic hormone or ACTH, thyroid stimulating hormone or TSH, follicle stimulating hormone or FSH, luteinizing hormone or LH, growth hormone, and prolactin. Answer choice 4. The preoptic nucleus of the hypothalamus does not secrete antidiuretic hormone. Rather, the preoptic nucleus of the hypothalamus releases gonadotropin-releasing hormone, or GnRH, and is involved in thermal regulation and sexual behavior. And finally, answer choice 5. The suprachiasmatic nucleus of the hypothalamus does not secrete antidiuretic hormone. Rather, the suprachiasmatic nucleus of the hypothalamus is responsible for circadian rhythm. Note, do not confuse the suprachiasmatic nucleus with the supraoptic nucleus, which along with the paraventricular nuclei of the hypothalamus produces antidiuretic hormone, which is then stored in the posterior pituitary for secretion. In summary, central diabetes insipidus is caused by inadequate secretion of antidiuretic hormone, ADH or vasopressin, from the posterior pituitary. Next question. A 52-year-old woman presents to her primary care physician complaining of three weeks of persistent thirst despite consumption of increased quantities of water. She also admits that she has had increased frequency of urination during the same time period. A basic metabolic panel is performed which reveals mild hypernatremia and a normal glucose level. Urine electrolytes are then obtained which shows a very low urine osmolality that does not correct when a water deprivation test is performed. Blood tests reveal an undetectable level of antidiuretic hormone, ADH. Based on this information, what is the most likely cause of this patient's symptoms? 1. Primary polydipsia 2. Diabetes mellitus 3. Nephrogenic diabetes insipidus 4. Central diabetes insipidus or 5. Surreptitious diuretic use And the correct answer choice is answer choice 4, central diabetes insipidus. The most likely cause of polydipsia and polyuria in this scenario is central diabetes insipidus because of the lack of circulating ADH hormone and lack of response to the water deprivation test. Remember, antidiuretic hormone, also known as arginine vasopressin, is a hormone produced in the hypothalamus and released by the posterior pituitary in response to changes in serum osmolality. It acts upon the collecting duct of the nephron to translocate aquaporin and thereby concentrate urine in response to hypernatremia. 
In diabetes insipidus, this mechanism is disrupted either due to lack of ADH production or release, also known as central diabetes insipidus, or lack of renal tubule response to ADH, also known as nephrogenic diabetes insipidus. The classic findings of this disorder are increased thirst despite water intake and polyuria due to inability to concentrate urine. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice 1, primary polydipsia, should correct upon water deprivation and usually presents with hyponatremia as opposed to hypernatremia. Answer choice 2, diabetes mellitus, is unlikely given the normal serum glucose. Answer choice 3, nephrogenic diabetes insipidus, would have normal circulating ADH levels because the defect is in the kidney response to the hormone. And finally, answer choice 5, surreptitious diuretic use would not present with an undetectable level of ADH because ADH should be increased in response to hypernatremia. And that's all for this review about diabetes insipidus. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from these MedBullets Step 1 podcasts so far, please consider leaving us a 5-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you aren't already, be sure to follow MedBullets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 1 podcast.